You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, this is Chris Manning, the host of Lockdown Cavaliers. Special announcement today for the Lockdown Cavaliers brand uh, beyond the podcast. Um, we are launching LockdownCavaliers.com. The, all of the team sites for the Lockdown Network are going to, all podcasts are going to have their own site. Lockdown Cavs is no exception. What is different about ours, at least compared to some of the other ones, is that I will not be the one writing largely for that site. Uh, because of my contract with Vox and SB Nation, and because of what I do for the sword, I will not be posting there. I will, I will still be hosting the show. I will still be having a say in some of the content, at least. But we have someone that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his work and, and what he's done, mostly with the Lakers. But um, you're going to see him at a variety of, of lockdown sites. Uh, he's going to be the one kind of running the show, doing most of, if not 99% of the work for lockdowncabs.com. Um, that's Anthony Irwin. Anthony. Um, I'm, I'm really excited that we're going to get to do, even if it's, you know, not potting every day and, and not necessarily you know, doing exactly every little thing together, but I'm excited that we're going to get to kind of team up on, on this site and, and think about it and give our, and give Cavs fans out there another place to go read about, about this wild and weird team. Yeah. I'm looking forward to just writing about a good team again. <laughs> like <I'm, laughs> I, the Lakers haven't been good in quite some time, basically since I started covering him. And it'll be nice to cover a good team. Uh, and, and, I mean, I get to watch LeBron James basically nightly now. So I, getting to, to write about LeBron before he becomes a Laker is something I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I mean, if Lonzo Ball continues to not be able to shoot, um, like, LeBron's not going to L.A. Uh, maybe, no. maybe he'll go team up with Kyle Kuzma. Maybe we were wrong about what, what rookie he would be. Maybe it's actually he's going to go team up with, with Kuz. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> One of the, I think one of the reasons the the lockdown network, which I mean we're, I mean we're near two, which it, which is a crazy thing in its own right, and we're we're taking a step forward, and we're gonna lockdown Cavs is gonna be somewhere where you can get all the latest news, um, not necessarily game by game coverage, but you'll get analysis of of the team there, and it'll largely be Anthony. And if you don't know Anthony's work, he wrote for a long time and really led a silver screen and roll. He's host the co-host of Lockdown Lakers. Um, he's written it at a bunch of places that I'm forgetting, but I mean, I think people are going to be happy with what they're going to get from the site. Yeah. Like more than, more than anything, I, I just love basketball and, and the, the, the league, the, the NBA is to me the most interesting night in night out sports league that we have here in America. And so uh, getting to write about, you know, again, a, a, a team that should be in the finals. They're definitely contending for for a spot there. Uh, getting to write about one of, if not the best player in the in the history of basketball is going to be a lot of fun. And and like the other thing too that I don't think uh, Cavs fans get necessarily enough credit for is I I just really enjoy the fan base. Like you and Justin and Carter and Ryan and David it's just it's it's a good group of people that I'll, I'll be joining up and trying to add my two cents with and like I I started in this industry writing about the NBA as a whole uh and it'll be nice to get back to it you know in some way 
uh, talking about the the Cavs with you guys and then working with Locked On Knicks and working with Locked On Clippers and then continuing to write about the Lakers. It's just more basketball can't possibly be a bad thing. No, it's really not. And, you know, every team has its own interesting tidbits and, and dramas and all these different things that, that go on with the team. Um, Anthony, let's, let's, we'll wrap it up on this. What I'm going to just give you a couple questions about things that are going on with the Cavs right now, and people will kind of get an idea of, of what you think. Um, mm-hmm. True or false, Derrick Rose is a, is a bad basketball player in 2017. <laughs> He's been a bad basketball player. <laughs> he, it's just, it's so funny that with both Melo and Derrick Rose leaving the Knicks, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, Chris has Porzingis is back, is back to being Chris has Porzingis God, you know, and and I'm really looking forward to what the Cavs are when Isaiah Thomas shows up. He's probably not going to help very much on defense, but just getting Derrick Rose off of the court consistently is probably going to really help that team. Yeah, don't disagree with that. Um, what What do you think is this team's biggest flaw aside from defense? Like, what, what's something when you when you've watched them a couple times? What, what do you think with them is a problem? I don't know if it's a problem per se, but this is certainly the vibe that I get. It, it reminds me a lot of the three-peat Lakers where the regular season was just something you had to get through uh, and stay healthy through to be able to get to the playoffs. And what that does is it kind of forces some bad habits upon you. I think the defense, when they play playoff teams, their defense, I wouldn't say it looks good, but it's not it's not disastrous. And when I watch this Cavs team, when they really decide, okay, yeah, fine, it's time to try this game, they, they look like a perfectly fine team, a perfectly fine title contender. Uh, and, and really, I think it's just about convincing themselves on a consistent basis to compete and taking on that challenge is, is really their – again, I don't really want to call it a problem because it, the regular season doesn't really matter to these guys. It's just about what you can do in the playoffs. Especially when you look at the last couple of years, like there's the the track record of like okay, like whatever, you know they're gonna they're gonna chill and it's gonna be fine and and they're gonna they're gonna advance anyway. Um, yeah, I, I do think I do I do think one, I guess concern of mine. Uh, you, you mentioned the defense. I, I think one of my concerns is, I don't think their best offensive team necessarily matches up with their best de- defensive team. Uh, and you know, sometimes, and, and look, it's all situational. It's just a matter of who you're playing that night and what you need out of the team that night. So you can kind of get by, but in general, you, you want your best overall team to be your best team on both sides of the ball. And that isn't quite the case right now with the Cavs. We'll see what happens when it comes back, but, uh, that's not quite the case right now with them because like J.R. Smith is a much better offensive player and he fits LeBron James a lot better than Dwayne Wade does offensively, in my opinion. But Dwayne Wade is a better defensive player than J.R. Smith is when he wants to try. So well, I'll, I'll, I would and, disagree with the J. Dwayne Wade's bad. Just bad. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. But like Iman Shumpert is, is an example. So like when he plays when he plays, uh, you know, matches up with the point guard, especially when, you know, you guys play the 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 Celtics, sorry, uh, you're going to need Amon Shumpet out on, out there on the court to, to match up with Kyrie Irving. But what do you do there with Isaiah Thomas? And what do you, fortunately, necessarily going to be around. So that helps with, you know, one extra player you don't have to necessarily worry about. But that's it's just, it's a, it's a question that the, the Cavs need to answer by the end of the season. They have so much time to figure it out. 
yeah, no, 100% have a bunch of time to figure it out. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this site. I'm really hoping people like it. If you have things you want to see it's do, uh, feedback, anything anything you want to say about the LockdownCavs.com. Is it Lockdown Cavs or Lockdown Cavaliers? I feel like that's an important distinction. You know, I should know this, but I, I believe it's going to be LockdownCavaliers.com. Okay, so. It'll be lockedoncavaliers.com. Um, you'll be able to go there. It'll be part. Of, it's at FanRag Sports. You should mention that as well. They're they're partnering up with our whole network. Uh, there's some sites up already. Sean Woodley's doing a really great job over at Lockdown Raptors, um, and mm-hmm. lockedoncavaliers.com will be a, a hub for you to go read about the Cavs. Um, again, I will not really be writing there much, if if at all. I will still be Fear the Sword. Anthony's going to be leading the show, and and we'll see what comes with it. We're going to be experimenting trying new things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And we want to hear from you, the the loyal Lockdown Cavaliers listener. You can email me at LockdownCavs.gmail.com and um, you can you know find Anthony on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at CWMRights and you can find Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. So we just what you want to see from the site and, and we're really hoping you guys enjoy this. It's a, it's a big step forward for the network. Uh, year two for us. It's going to be a, a really good year, I think, for the network. And we're going to continue growing and giving you guys daily coverage of all NBA teams. And with the Cavs, for me and Anthony, I really hope you guys enjoy it. But, again, uh, now you'll hear today's show. Um, it's Duncan Smith from Pistons Powered and The Athletic. Uh, no preview tonight's Cavs-Pistons game. So now, because you suffered through our shameless promos, you get to hear actual analysis. And that's what you're here for. So I hope you guys enjoy. And we'll, we'll talk to you again tomorrow after the game. You are locked on Cavaliers. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now on the Locked On Cavaliers podcast is Duncan Smith. He runs the site PistonsPowered.com, part of the Fan Side Network, and is also a contributor at The Athletic in Detroit. Duncan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So, first question to Pistons this year, obviously much better than they were last year. Second in the East, I believe, as we record this. What has been the biggest difference for them as they've really made up, at least so far, for what last year was a disappointing season? Um, it's kind of hard to boil it down to just one one difference. Um, it's kind of uh, a handful of things that have really worked together. Uh, if we did have to boil it down to one difference, I think that it's uh, more three-point shooting and better three-point shooting. Uh, but then, like, you know what? What kind of opens that up is uh, Reggie Jackson being healthier, um, Andre Drummond being useful in different ways other than just like posting up and grabbing rebounds. Um, and for that matter, the posting up is, was pretty bad uh, the past few seasons. So um, we can't exactly consider that to be something that he was helpful with. Um, but I, I, I'd really say that uh, just more willing three-point shooters and better three-point shooters uh, probably across the board is the biggest single difference between uh, this year and last year. So where where is that three-point shooting coming from? Is it Avery Bradley? Is it Tobias Harris? Is it Stanley Johnson? Or is it, is it a mixture of a lot of different people? Um, it really is a mixture of a lot of different people. Uh, Tobias is, I don't have the stats right in front of me right now, but he's shooting over 40%, uh, which is something that we I don't think ever even expected uh, to be a possibility <laughs> uh, with him. Uh, Avery Bradley shooting over 40% from three. Um, off the bench, you've got Langston Galloway and Anthony Tolliver who are both shooting uh, like high 30s, low 40s from uh, from long range. Um, and and Reggie Jackson is kind of uh, rounding um, rounding his shooting back into form. Uh, he's mid high 30s right now as well. Um, so kind of across the board, as opposed to last year where we had like only one guy shooting in the high 30s, and that was Reggie Bullock. 
Um, you've got like five or six guys who would have been the best three-point shooter on this team last year. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the numbers right now, and Langston Galloway is shooting 42%. Tobias Harris is shooting 48.9%. Luke Kennard is up to 39%. Um, Tolliver is at 34%. Um, Bradley's 45%. Like, there's just a bunch of guys on this team that can shoot threes who weren't on the team at all last year. Um, and I think that's a really big difference. How much has, has a healthy Reggie Jackson helped this team as well? Uh, it's big because, like, not only, like, having – Jackson healthy is important, but last year he was probably the worst player in the NBA. Um, and I, I say that without hyperbole. Uh, he was bottom five in just about every uh, major uh, advanced category for a high usage player, uh, whether it be offensive rating, defensive rating, true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage. Um, I think he rebounded worse than Isaiah Thomas last year uh, from a total rebounding percentage standpoint. Um, and Reggie's not even a small guard, he's a big guard. Uh, so to rebound like a guy who's seven inches shorter than him um, is a pretty pretty stark problem. Uh, this year he is, you know, I, I don't know that he's like the Reggie of two years ago necessarily, but he isn't like this huge like detrimental presence um, on the floor, and I think that's uh, a pretty pretty big uh, gap between uh, what we're looking at this year and last year. Um, like I, I keep saying when people ask about this is like the Pistons went from having their best player two years ago, turn into one of the league's worst players last year. And there are really no very, very few teams. If anybody can really endure uh, a loss like that, and the Pistons are really no different. Well, and especially in a, in a system, a, that was the year they, when they played the Cavs in the first round, they they one of their best plays, if not their absolute best play was that Reggie Jackson, Drummond pick and roll, and and he was like had found success there. And you don't have that guy to orchestrate things because Drummond, even if he's your hypothetical best player, if you if he's your best guy, he's a center. He's not going to be doing that necessarily. He's not going to be kind of keeping things flowing. What has been the the difference for Drummond this year? As I mean, his free throw shooting has been the thing that I think most people have looked at and been, oh wow, he's gotten competent at this. But what what about him as a player this year is different. You mentioned the post ups earlier. Yeah, uh, the the free throw shooting is kind of like the the thing that people kind of like look at and see as like being the, the prime difference between this year and last year. And uh, I think it's important to realize that the free throw shooting is probably like the third or fourth most important thing that we've seen out of him this year. Uh, we're, we've got a uh, more energetic guy right now. Um, I think that's largely due to the fact that he, he got that uh, nasal surgery and repaired a deviated septum that he's played his entire career with this uh, this past offseason. Um, so right off the bat, um, I think that that extra energy frees him up to do a lot more things than he could do in the past. Um, as opposed to those post-ups, the Pistons are still using him on offense, but they're using him as more of a facilitator. Um, they've run a lot of dribble handoffs through him. They're running a lot of motion around him. Um, him and Avery, uh, and he and Tobias Harris, uh, have, have really executed uh, pretty well out of uh, out of the dribble handoff. Um, he's uh, <laughs> he's now started lobbing alley oops to Bradley and, uh, and Tobias Harris, which is uh, you know not necessarily a sentence that we would have ever imagined saying uh, in the past. Like he's he's not just like the um, just the, the finisher for better or worse of possessions. He's also uh, he's he's running offense almost to the uh, the same kind of frequency that. Um, that, that Reggie Jackson has been running offense uh, when the two are on the floor. Um, so they've really kind of dropped off on the pick and roll 
and they've escalated their uh, handoff frequency quite a bit. Um, they still run into the pick and roll quite a bit, um, and they're really effective when they do. Uh, they are ranked number one right now on Synergy in uh, pick and roll ball handler efficiency. Um, a lot of that is is due not just to Reggie Jackson, who's been pretty good. Uh, he's in the 84th percentile, but then we've got Tobias Harris, who is in smaller sample, like only 15 possessions, uh, but he's in the 100th percentile, um, scoring 24 points and 15 possessions. And Avery Bradley has also really uh, performed well. He's in the 97th percentile. Um, so it's it's been um, not so much just like dropping off the pick and rolls, but um, they've they've really been able to utilize him uh, to utilize Drummond in uh, in the dribble handoffs as well. I think that that's really been the biggest difference, um, along with the energy and the free throws are just kind of like this nice bonus that gets thrown in. And if he stays around sixty percent this season, that's great. But um, you know, anything better than what we've seen from like league history worst uh, from the free throw line of Drummond is uh, is okay as long as he's he's performing the way that he's performing in uh, in other ways. How has he been uh, on defense? Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be like a an excellent defender, but um, especially guys who are not like especially mobile, um, he he can hold his own pretty well. Uh, it's I haven't checked his rim protection numbers in a couple of games, but it's pretty much on par with last year. Uh, but what he has done differently this season is um, I don't know if he read the the big piece that Zach Lowe wrote about uh, the Pistons' struggles in I think February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One one thing that, uh, that Zach said that Stan Van Gundy really wanted uh, Drummond to focus on was to uh, like to disrupt pick and roll um, like at the perimeter, uh, really like basically like blow up the ball handler's possession, um, and we've seen a bit more of that. It, it's not something that we've seen um, you know with great regularity, but I think that the fact that he's he's doing that with a little more frequency is is kind of promising. You know, if if he's not going to be especially effective at the rim. Uh, just find other ways to utilize him, and that's kind of like the flip side of what they've done on offense. Like he's he's no good posting up, so instead of posting up and, and giving his possessions that way, uh, they're using him as you know more more of a, a facilitator. So um, you know you you can kind of like substitute those possessions with other things that make more sense. And I think that um, having him like harass the ball him on the pick and roll is something that if he's not going to be any good at around the rim anyway, like get, just give him other stuff to do. Um, and I think that's sort of the approach they're using. It, it's not something that they've done with a, a lot of frequency, but um, it's a twist. And you know, I, you know, maybe it's something they're introducing slowly, and he's gonna he's gonna do it more as the season goes on. Hopefully, listeners, I will put the link to that Zach Lopez if you want to go back and read it. Everything Zach Lowe writes is pretty much worth you know your time and your attention. So I will put that down there. You can kind of get an idea of where the Pistons were last year and what we're talking about now, how they've gotten to a better place. You look at what the Cavs are gonna do with against Drummond. They're gonna they're gonna start Kevin Love at center in this game because they're still no Tristan Thompson. So their centers are really chanting Fry, LeBron James, and. And Kevin Love, how do you think the the Drummond Love battle will will play out? Because I think in both instances, Kevin Love is a guy who can pull Drummond out. On the other end, I I would have just because of Love's size, like he's not a particularly bulky guy. That seems like an opportunity for Drummond to have some success against Love on the other end of the floor. It seems like in both ways they're going to push each other in ways that's going to make both teams kind of uncomfortable. And I wonder what the breaking point is for either team. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. That's um, Kevin Love's presence is. Uh, one thing that got the Pistons to go out and spend $40 million over four years on John, on uh, John Luer. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's certainly something that's going to, uh, 
going to pull Drummond out of his comfort zone on defense. Um, like I mentioned before, like he's okay with like guys who who are like who will, who will play like close to the basket in the paint, basically. Um, like he can hold his own in those situations. But guys who stretch him out to the perimeter, um, that's that's a different story, you know. Um, I, I think that. Um, Offensively, Kevin Love is uh, a real challenge for for Drummond. Whereas uh, it'll be interesting to see how matchups work on the other end because he doesn't spend like um, he doesn't spend the kind of time uh, with his back to the basket that he used to um, on offense. Um, so you're you're going to see a lot of those dribble handoffs running through Drummond, and then I think you're probably going to see a lot of switching on the, the part of the Cavs. I would imagine. I haven't gotten to, gotten to watch a lot of Cavs they, so, basketball, but yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things that they do is they they do they do a lot of hedging on pick and rolls where love if, let's say it's like a, a standard pick and roll or some version of that love is going to come out or whoever the the guy defending the screen is going to be is going to come out way above the the three point line let's say and try to and try to bump the guy it's kind of what they do and then he has to recover and that that could be if if Reggie's having a good game if if Drummond's got the space that could be an issue on the dribble handoffs that's kind of something they haven't seen a ton of yet I don't think they've seen a team. That has like I mean Boston the first game had the the injury to Gordon Hayward so that kind of got thrown out the window and I don't think they faced a team quite yet that has had that sort of pit but I would guess that based on how they defended the pick and roll for most of the time because they have done some dropping back and they've done some versions of it which I think is just drop back all the time based on their personnel but I, I think with the dribble handoffs you probably will see switching and that's interesting because if it's depending on who they have guard who right like so if you know, if it's Tobias, I would I would imagine Jake Crowder is going to start off on Tobias Harris. That would, that would be my guess. And so, like, are you, yeah, I agree with that probably. Yeah, how do you how does how does Jake Crowder handle Andre Drummond on switches? And he's he defended Porzingis as well as a six six guy could in New York, but it's a different it's a different size, it's a different it's a different type of movement than he's than they got against Porzingis. And how does he handle that? And how does you know how does LeBron? We saw him get really locked in against Porzingis and shut him down for parts of the end of that game. How does he do that? Can he do that against Drummond in small bursts as well? If he's if he gets switched on him, that's going to be a really interesting thing in this game. And they bring it up. I feel like that's probably if the Cavs are going to have a good defensive game, it's probably it seems like a lot of how they handle those moments are going to kind of decide that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of hard to project exactly like how things are going to be on that end because, um, like you said, like I I don't think that the Cavs have seen a lot of it, and then the, the Pistons have maybe not necessarily seen a team with uh, with quite the personnel. Um, that the Cavaliers have uh, to be able to, to sort of match up against that. So I think that's going to be um, not necessarily something I have any kind of prediction for, but something that's going to be pretty interesting as far as um, uh, a schematic matchup goes. How has Avery Bradley, the the big offseason acquisition for Detroit, how has he impacted this team? Um, pretty significantly in a lot of ways, I think. Um, he has... I, w- I would say that he sort of like uh, brought a tenacity that uh, the Pistons have uh, not played with in the past. Um, you know, he's um, he's shooting really well. Like, we'll see how sustainable this is. Uh, he's shooting forty five percent from three and forty four percent from the floor. Um, but uh, he he definitely seems to have sort of introduced this kind of um, really handsy style of play, uh, where the Pistons are like. Doing, doing a lot of uh, – there's a very actively going for steals uh, pretty frequently um, and uh, with some pretty decent success, I think. Um, so I'd, I'd say that he's brought some toughness that, um, that this team was lacking last year. Uh, he's turning the ball over a lot, which kind of makes me uncomfortable. But um, 
aside from that, I've been pretty pleased with uh, with his performance. Um, he seems to be pretty streaky, like really hot or cold. Like he'll he'll go. Uh, I think he had. I think the game against the Lakers, he went like three for seventeen or something like that, and then. Uh, the next game, he had 20 points, by, or 19 points by the end of the first quarter. So um, he definitely gets his points in bunches, uh, and um, he's he's been a really good Kickstarter on both ends, like a sort of like a really, like a spark plug sort of. Um, so it every so often when you wonder about the differences between this team um, and, and last year's team, you remember that KCP was basically Avery Bradley's role. Um, it's it's really kind of uh, night and day, honestly. Um, Bradley can handle pretty significant volume. Like he's got the second most shots per game on the team behind Tobias Harris, who's been like shooting lights out. Um, and he's been um, the, the second best three point shooter on the team. Uh, he's second in the team on steals and um, he's, he's just really tenacious on both ends. So he's been, he's been a really big addition to the team. Especially in this game, to me, he feels like he's going to have a pretty sizable impact just because with no Amon Shumpert, with no who will be out five to seven days, um, who with no Derrick Rose, with no Isaiah Thomas, the Cavs are, are going to have some really weird guard lineups. Like John Holland's coming up from the Kent Charge. He might play. Could see Chetty Osman, who's a, who's a rookie, who has gotten a little bit better but still looks uncomfortable. You, you're probably playing Jose Calder on NBA minutes, which is, which is not good in 2017. Right. It, it, it seems like in this game where the, the Cavs are going to have an issue is kind of dealing with, with Bradley, dealing with, I mean, Luke Kennard's been good. Reggie Jackson, like like these are compli- these are not things. Like, it seems like the Pistons on paper have an advantage in the backcourt, unless J.R. Smith. Like J.R. Smith can have a really good game, but we'll. I mean, that's one guy against a, a pretty a group that has played pretty well so far this year. Uh, yeah, the backcourt is something that the the Pistons have kind of been able to feature as a weapon uh, this year. Um, you know, last year Reggie Jackson was no good. Uh, KCP was really hit or miss. They didn't really have a backup two guard. Uh, other than Stanley Johnson, who was out of position and struggled uh, pretty much all season long, and then uh, Ish Smith, who was pretty much the the best guard on the roster for most most of the year, which um, you know that that speaks well of of Ish's effort and everything. But uh, when Ish is your best guard, that's kind of a problem. Uh, this year, you've got Reggie Jackson, who's better. Uh, Avery Bradley, who's been really good. Um, Luke Kennard, who when he gets on the floor has looked really excellent. Like like he should be an NBA player. Um, and Langston Galloway has come back to earth a little bit, but he's still shooting like 42% from the, from, uh, from three. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting guard versus guard matchup since the Cavs really just, um, their, their, their backcourt is not, uh, not a strength necessarily. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely not, especially like Amon Schumpert's played well as a, as a nominal point guard, but without him, you're, you're playing Calderon, who's okay, you know, they're in weight, and I forgot about Wade, but like, you know, is Wade going to be able to, you know, like chase around Bradley off screens, like that, that's going to be an interesting thing, especially if he's playing more minutes, you know, how, how does his rhythm work if they're going to maybe start him, or is he just all come off the bench and they start Calderon, and, you know, in that case, you're, you're are you defending 1-5 pick, are you just opening the door for 1-5 pick and rolls with, with Jackson and, and Drummond against Love and Calderon, that seems like like a disaster just kind of waiting to happen at least early on. And we'll see how the Cavs um, adjust from there with whatever they can do. But last question, we'll wrap it up on this. Pistons are currently on a, a two game losing streak as we recorded this. That's the first, I believe losing streak of their season. What has it's, it's not obviously a long losing streak. It's nothing uh, like the Cavs struggles that they've had. What has been the, the problem over the last two games? But there's is it one or two things to you that have stood out that have kind of dipped as, as they've lost two in a row. 
Um, you know, I, they they lost to the Bucks, which I think will happen uh, from <laughs> from time to time. And the Bucks have been really uh, good. That, like they've been great since they got Eric Bledsoe and they have Giannis. So like, yeah. Like what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah. Uh, exactly. You know. Um, so like I I kind of chalk that up to just like you know an unfortunate performance where the Pistons didn't really get things going until the second half when they uh, they nearly pulled off a comeback. Um, you know, it, that's one that I think that if they just executed a bit better throughout the course of the game, they probably could have gotten. Um, so that one doesn't really bother me that much. So what really bothers me is the Pacers lost. The Pacers got really hot from three, but you know, at, at the same time, like, <laughs> um, it's not a surprise that the Pacers can shoot threes. Uh, they've been one of the better three point shooting teams this season. And, uh, there's, I, I just don't think there's really any excuse for letting, uh, letting the Pacers back into it the way they did. Um, and for better or worse, like, both units, like the bench and the starters, uh, share blame in in that one getting out of control the way it did. So, um, you know, I'm I'm more or less fine with the Bucks loss, but uh, the Pacers loss is going to sting for a little while, I think. Yeah, I think this will be a good test for kind of both teams. They're coming, they're coming in on that two game losing streak. The Cavs have won four straight in kind of shaky or won four straight in kind of shaky fashion. But we will see where where this goes. We'll see how this goes. It is Monday night in Detroit. Uh, Cavs-Pistons first matchup between these two teams that suddenly may be in a, in a race for the Central Division, depending on how things shake out over the course of a long season. But, uh, Duncan, thank you much so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Chris. Anytime. Uh, find Duncan on Twitter at DuncanSmithNBA. You can follow the pod on Twitter at LockdownCavs. Find me on Twitter at CWMWrites. And we'll be back tomorrow with a recap of Cavs-Pistons. We'll talk to you then.